Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. Today, we begin with School for Me in our weekly Clark Stink segment. I learn from you every week, and that's why we do it. Also, the latest unemployment report has even the brainiac economists of the world totally befuddled. And I'm going to throw in my two cents because, wow, what a confusing time it is in the U.S. and world economy. But right now, it is time to see where I am confused. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. So what are you starting with today, Krista? Our beloved Clark. You smell great, but there's a key piece of advice you have missed. Verizon does have a SIM protection in place called Number Lock. And they've had this free service since 2020, before any of the other carriers had anything in place. You simply activate the number lock protection on your Verizon app, and your number can no longer be transferred to another carrier, SIM, or device until you personally remove the lock. I guess Verizon doesn't stink that bad after all, Nicole. Nicole, thank you. And I appreciate that information because we were unable to find it, and you supplied it to us. Why is it so important for you to put in number lock with Verizon or the equivalent SIM protection with AT&T or T-Mobile, or if you're with an off-brand, do whatever their procedure is? Because criminals have so much access to your personal information, mostly from the massive Equifax data breach of several years ago. They have your social security number, all your key personal data to attempt to take over your accounts and steal your money and even if you have a credit freeze in place the purpose is to steal the money you already have in investment accounts retirement accounts and all the rest so what they're doing is the one thing they need is with two-factor authentication they need to be able to have a text with a special code sent to them and that's why they want to steal your cell phone service and that's why putting a lock in place as uh, apparently Verizon calls it, number lock, and the others each have their own system, you want to do that to keep the two-factor authentication from allowing a criminal to run off with your money. And there is some confusion with T-Mobile. We're in touch with them right now. Some people are being told they have to come into the store. Some people are being told that the SIM protection is no longer available. So we're talking to them and we'll put an update on Clark.com as soon as we have the information. Protection is available at T-Mobile. Their employees just aren't properly trained. And online, the procedure seems to be crashing when you try to set it in place. So we're going to make sure we can give updated information here and on Clark.com 
about how to do it with T-Mobile. And a couple of people wrote in with this sentiment. Someone asked, can someone save too much money? Clark's answer was basically no. I'm sure that this is true for a very high percentage of Clark's listeners, but there's a relatively small percentage of people that can easily develop the habit of hoarding money. Both my parents and myself fell into this pattern. We were relatively high earners, lived below our means, started saving and investing early, and basically hoarded the money. By retirement, we had saved far more than we could ever spend. In my parents' case, the money went to heirs where it did more harm than good. I finally realized my mistake and have started using the money for charitable giving. A small risk to a podcast like Clark's is that they could create a small percentage of hoarders that did not use this financial knowledge wisely. Jim, and another person wrote in and she said that she's, you know, she and her husband seem very comfortable from the numbers she gave and she's just really afraid to spend anything. Yeah, so uh, Jim and the other poster, I just was interviewed for a magazine article about this very topic, wow. that there's a segment of people who become massive savers, but they're unable to turn it the other way once they have created independent wealth. The whole reason you currently sacrifice by saving is so that ultimately down the road, you can live with comfort and have splurges. And so if you are rock solid financially, many times there's a psychological bridge you cannot cross where you start opening up the wallet. I have shared before that when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer 14 years ago and realized I didn't know how long my clock had to run, which seems to be fine. Now, I learned that all this money that I had massively saved over the years, it was time to start enjoying it. And I've done a much better job of doing that. But it took that shock to my system to overcome my extreme frugal ways. And I have successfully done that. You don't stink, but you might have stepped into a present your neighbor's dog left on the lawn for you. You recently answered a question about how to find the cheapest hotel deals and left valuable advice on the table. I recently took a trip to Milan. My husband searched for flights and hotels on his iPad, and I did it on my Chromebook. Somehow, sites like Expedia know what device you use and charge more if you're on an Apple device. We tested this several times, and it was true every time. The prices were always cheaper through the Chromebook. Between flights and hotel stays, we saved almost 200 bucks by booking through the Chromebook. Ken. Ken, thank you. This has been a debate over the years whether or not Apple people using a MacBook or using any kind of Apple device are charged higher prices. And there's no solid proof of it, but your example is really a very possible thing. And I use a Chromebook. Maybe I should put my wife's MacBook next to me try the search both ways and report back to you if, in fact, I'm seeing the same thing with higher prices on her Mac than I have on my Chromebook. Love that. Another one about hotels. As someone who travels a lot, I love looking at multiple sites to find the best deals, but many hotels will price match or even beat the price you find on a third-party site such as Booking or Expedia. When you find the cheaper price, take a screenshot on your computer, including the date, of the third-party website showing the total booking price and what type of room it is. Book the same room through the hotel's website, make sure it's free cancellation, then send both your booking confirmation number along with the screenshot of the cheaper hotel to the hotel. I've had success with this with Hilton's. They beat the cheaper price by 25%. 
I've also done this at other hotel chains where they matched the third party price, but booking directly through the hotel gave me perks like free private airport transportation, room upgrades, free breakfast, et cetera, McKenzie. Yeah, McKenzie is funny because I use third party booking sites primarily and I'll get to a hotel front desk and they'll say, oh, well, you know, you have this status, but we can't do anything for you because you book through that third party. Next time, why don't you book direct with us? And so your strategy does work because all the major hotel chains know they're charging typically a lot more than you would through third party sites, but they all say they have a low price guarantee. So you're taking the extra step to get it and your perks. Clark, you're stinking it up with respect to TVs. You're right about LCD TVs being all roughly equal in picture and quality, but OLED TVs are strikingly different. So you wrote a post today? No, and better, and for some, worth the price difference, especially after all TVs have come down in price so much in recent years. You might be amazed at how rich and vibrant the colors on your favorite NFL teams appear on an OLED TV. And don't be fooled by Samsung QLED, which is not at all the same technology as OLED, Roger. So Roger, uh, Krista, and her husband, Mike, bought an OLED, and it's like it's been a life-changing experience for the two of you, hadn't it? Beautiful picture. It is absolutely beautiful. And uh, it is true that you will see a more vibrant picture with OLED than you see with traditional LED And someday I will pry open that wallet just enough to be able to get one of those OLEDs. Clark, you stink worse than a porta potty at the Chicago Marathon. Ooh. How come you don't bring up the craziness of paying $3 for a cup of coffee at the chain stores when you can brew at home for around two cents? Two cents versus $3. I make a pot in a drip maker and microwave a cup in the two to three days the pot is gone. Hayden. So they, that is extreme. I I get it. I mean, we've talked about the whole Starbucks effect and how that can bring a few thousand dollars back into your wallet at the end of a year. And I don't, I've never had coffee in my life. I have coffee, ice cream, but I've never had coffee. My wife does something kind of in between. She has this European coffee thing that the discs are different. An espresso. Is that what it is? It's something like that. And anyway, the disc costs like on sale like 35 cents each versus the two cents of making just a traditional drip coffee. But the coffee, she says, is really, really awesome and much cheaper than going to Starbucks or any local coffee hangout. But microwave in the pot for two or three days. I haven't heard that before. That's impressive. There was a question asking about finding reputable tours for a group of ladies on a Nile River cruise. What you neglected to mention was that almost all river cruise companies include a tour at every port as part of your cruise fare. Most river cruise companies are all inclusive or certainly include most amenities, including food, beer, and wine at meals and excursions. Even the budget river cruise lines include an excursion credit, which typically covers a few tours. These tours are well-researched by the cruise line and are the safest option for a group of ladies traveling in an area like Egypt, in my humble opinion. Happy cruising, ladies. Mindy. Mindy, that is a wonderful suggestion. One thing on tours from a cruise line is some of the riverboat cruise lines have only a single tour that is included, and it will tend to have to be for the people who are the least physically fit on the cruise, on the riverboat cruise. 
I like for you to look at one where you have a variety for different levels of exertion, different levels of activity. Mr. Howard, yes, your recent advice was so stinky, I have to call you by the name you hate. I absolutely love your show. I love all of you done for your listeners and me personally over the years. All that said, as a real estate investor myself, your recent advice to a young person who wanted to invest in real estate was absolutely cringeworthy. This person wanted to invest in tangible real estate, and your advice seems to try to steer them away from actually owning one of the best income-producing assets in existence, especially as your person, they could buy property with a very low down payment and then keep the property as an investment after they move. While REIT can be a useful investment tool for your portfolio, nothing replaces actually owning a piece of property and harvesting the income. And that's from Edward. Edward, thank you. I mean, who am I to argue with that? I bought my first investment property. It was a foreclosure when I was 22 years old. I'm really into people owning and managing individual real estate. By the way, that property I bought at 22, I owned for over 40 years till I sold during the big real estate run-up. It was a phenomenal investment for me. And yes, it is true what a great opportunity it is to have individual real estate that you will manage. And in the situation of that individual, as I recall the question was somebody who wanted to go into something with other people. But yes, owning individual real estate as almost like a part-time job is a wonderful, wonderful idea. Clark and his team have completely missed the mark on a major retirement expense, taxes. Think about it. You're going to have to pay taxes on your deferred 401k and IRA savings, pension income, investment income, and even Medicare benefits. Also, local taxes take a huge bite out of savings every year. Think about property taxes. They are more than 1% of my home's value every year, about 8K. Personal property taxes and fees for vehicles are substantial too. This is never discussed, and it's a major expense when doing our yearly budget. Clark is usually great, but in this instance, he stinks. Dave. Dave, thank you. And you're right, particularly for someone who is a more affluent retiree, your number one or number two expense likely will be taxes in retirement. And there are big differences in how retirees are taxed in different states. And that is a case where you don't want taxes to be the everything, but that is a case where taxes can be an important consideration in retirement. Clark Stinks, he stated that you should keep track of your gambling wins and losses for tax purposes, but he didn't mention this only applies if you itemize. If you take the standard deduction or you don't have enough itemized deductions to offset the standard deduction, you're out of luck. William. William, thank you. All right, so people accumulate the losses over the years, and if they hit a big lottery jackpot in the Powerball, big game. I know nothing about how any of that works. You buy those tickets. I I haven't in a long time, but yes, one of the big lotteries. Yeah. So you win one of those. That's where your accumulated losses over the years can come back to benefit you. And let me tell you, in a year that you win big, you will be itemizing. I'm writing as a former HOA president of two associations. Your stinky advice to the homeowner that he personally contact the board president or vice president is just plain wrong. Can you imagine if the volunteer unpaid board members were stopped by every resident with any question or complaint that they could come up with? 
Any resident who acts surprised when dues go up after 12 years needs to get out more often. And as for the board, raising dues by a few dollars every couple of years is a much better strategy than hitting their neighbors with a large increase all at once. Yes, there's plenty of stinky to go around, David in Arizona. David, thank you. It's funny, I I was smiling as I was hearing Krista read your post because I just read a story from a uh, syndicated real estate person syndicated newspapers around the country who was talking about how if the management company for a board is ignoring your inquiries, you go to board members. I'm not saying for every little thing you go to board members, but if there's something you don't understand, you're not getting any clear explanation. Talking to one of the board members is to me the right thing to do, just as if someone, it's like a little local elected government, something happens in your city or county, you might reach out to your county commissioner or city council member to find out what's going on or to lodge a complaint. I see it as the same way with an HOA. Okay, one more real quick. My son is a freshman at a service academy. Super proud dad here. I don't hear you promoting the service academies and ROTCs. Yes, it is hard, but so rewarding seeing our next leaders in the military. Thank you for all you do, Marcus. Marcus, thank you. It's funny if I have not mentioned that because... Uh, I've been talking to my son about the service academies. So it is an active conversation in our household. And I apologize if I've neglected to mention the value they represent in benefiting our country, serving our country, and also protecting a young person's wallet when they're trying to get an education, having the opportunity to serve our nation and not graduate with any loan debt. All those ROTC programs too. Those are great at so many colleges. Exactly. So I just want to thank everyone who posted on Clark Stinks and apologize to you if we did not get to your post on Clark Stinks today uh, because the number of Clark Stinks posts way outruns the amount of time that we can devote to it as part of a podcast. Coming up ahead, We're going to talk about the latest unemployment report that has just about every economist worldwide really confused, and I'm going to try to unpack it for you and tell you what it means for your wallet moving forward. So the economy is really throwing curveballs at economists here in the United States and overseas. I mean, it's not that long ago that economists were predicting a steep deep worldwide recession. Today, they're not saying that. There will be scattered countries that have a recession, but very few look like they're going to have an ugly time economically. Obviously, Ukraine and Russia, both in deep dives economically because of the land war going on in Ukraine with horrific loss of life and terrible injury rates people wounded in combat, both on the Russian side and the Ukrainian side. But the war that looked like it was going to pretty much demolish the world's economies has not played out that way. And even as uh, central banks around the world, including our own Federal Reserve, have been either in concert or in mimicking each other, have been pushing interest rates up and up and up with the purpose being to squeeze inflation out of the world economy. The inflation has been, thank goodness, dropping around the world 
And at the same time, the unemployment rate here in the United States and in several other countries just keeps staying at record low levels. Now, that's not going to last, but the absolute strength of the job sector recent survey of small businesses found that over 90% of small businesses cannot find an adequate supply of workers to fill job vacancies right now. And that's, as you see the headlines day after day after day, you know, Google laying people off and Meta laying people off and Amazon laying people off and company after company that were looking so hard for workers before now shedding them in big headline grabbing kind of layoffs, the overall picture of the economy here remains very strong. And the inflation that was eating people's wallets up keeps moderating. And let's hope those two trends continue. But the ultimate is you can't fight central banks. And they are trying to slow economies down to get inflation not just temporarily under control, but get it back to more historical norms. And that's going to take a good while longer than Wall Street realizes or that you and I may realize. Because once inflation takes hold, a psychology grips us. And we live in that world of expecting everything to go up in price. And to a certain extent, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Plus, in the United States, with already the pre-existing issue of a significantly aging population and not nearly enough young workers to fill jobs, it continues to lead to price pressures on wages for employers. And good news for people who fill those jobs, but it is something that leads to more inflation that makes it tougher for the Federal Reserve to shrink inflation back to what are normal numbers, which is roughly 2% a year. So where does all this lead? What, what does all this mean that I'm talking about? It means that what you and I are going to experience is an economy that goes from overdrive into a lower gear. But the economy is not going to go into reverse, barring something terrible happening between us and the Chinese, Uh, who knows what Iran would do. In other words, it's got to be an X factor that we can't identify right now that would change the trend line. And it means that a lot of regions of the country will continue to grow economically while others will see potentially going into reverse gear. But the overall picture for the United States is really solid moving forward and much better for much of the rest of the world than it even looked like six months ago. Does it mean that you just look uh, full speed ahead with your spending and all that? No, because as I've shared with you before, the amount of credit card debt people are carrying is rising significantly. The interest rates charged on that credit card debt are very high. It means you have to keep your own economic house in order while we deal with a continuing wave of disruptive things that have happened to us, I mean, you think about COVID. COVID was like the one way, the wrong way driver running into us. I mean, it it caused so many disruptions that still are playing out today. And so you and I have got to make sure our own 
finances are in order so that you're prepared regardless of which way the wind blows moving forward. But I can tell you those winds are blowing much more favorably than it appeared not too long ago. Krista? All right. Drew in Florida says, my daughter received a letter from a group saying that she was selected for eligibility to attend a three-day event in Boston in June. This event will have honored doctors speak or teach, and it says she will have the opportunity to watch a surgery. The cost is between $1,000 and $1,500. Have you heard of this? Is it really a good opportunity? It sounds like a cleverly designed camp for high schoolers that costs a lot of money but isn't really a high honor. What is another option for her? She's looking to go into the medical field. So, Drew, number one, this is a very common thing going on targeted towards high schoolers all over America. I don't even know how many years ago we first started getting questions about all these groups that you would be honored to be included in. They're just buying mailing lists and they're soliciting. The amount of money they're charging is much, much lower than most of these we hear about from people, but it is not some kind of special thing that's going to help your daughter get into a pre-med program out of high school or anything like that. Gosh, if I was looking to what I'd want your daughter to be doing in the summer, it'd be working in a medical office. That would be where the real value is going to be if ultimately her goal is to be a doctor or other medical professional, is to have day-to-day experience in a medical office. My wife did that in high school, and what she learned was even coming from a family of doctors, that was not what she was going to do. Michelle in Indiana says, I recently canceled service with a well-known service provider in December. Today I noticed that auto pay came out of my checking account for the service. I called and they said the account was closed, but auto pay was still set up. How can they still charge for a service when the account is closed? I had to give her my checking account number to process the refund. Right, Michelle, this is the problem with auto pay from a checking account. The rules on ACH, Automated Clearinghouse, are very anti-consumer. The ACH is run by industry for the benefit of industry. That's why... Uh, this is a cell phone provider, you can tie in a credit card to pay the bill. And then the whole process is much easier when a service provider comes and absconds with your money. They took actual cash out of your life that you may have needed to pay other bills. And so the ACH is such a stack deck against consumers that I recommend that you be very sparing when you tie in ACH into a checking account. Instead, unless credit cards are a danger for you, you set up where you auto pay with a credit card. Now, there are providers that will not take credit cards or they'll charge a surcharge for credit cards. And then you have to weigh the possibility that a merchant is going to abscond with your money that you're then going to have to fight to get back versus paying them instead of automatically, you write an electronic check of your own every month to them so that they don't have the ability to come in and scarf money out of your account. And Shanna's in Florida is responding to the segment about the fake designer goods. I like to buy designer clothes, but I don't need to be the first person to wear it, and I don't need it right now. For instance, a skirt I really liked was $350. I took a picture of the tag with the manufacturer's info. 
I entered the style info and to save my search on eBay. A year later, I got an email saying that the skirt was for sale on eBay for $50 or make an offer. I made an offer of $25. They came back with 30. So that's what I paid plus $5.99 shipping 10% of the original cost. Shanna. Okay. This is fantastic. Shanna Shana, whichever you are. Thank you. I love this because the greatest savings on used or on brand name goods or designer labels, that's where you can really, really clean up. And your suggestion is fantastic for other people. And besides, if you bought the item and it turned out somebody sold you a counterfeit on eBay, you've only risked a very tiny amount of money instead of what near full retail would have been otherwise. But I hope you enjoy the garment. I love your suggestion. I want to thank you so much for listening today. I hope the rest of your day is absolutely great.